When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You idiots! You are absolute idiots! We are not idiots! We want to go home! I want to sit in a pub and drink a pint of beer again! I want to walk in a park and watch a cricket match! Above all, I want to... Pull to open! Pull to open! Yes, and what do you do? Take no prisoners! You always in a chase. Chase, yes, as a matter of fact. <laughs> I dig of the arm, knew I was right! Here comes the drums! Hello and welcome to Pull to Open, an ongoing quest to watch all of Doctor Who, the entire television program, in random order. I'm Pete Paschal. And I'm Chris Taylor, and, and boy, what 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 a random adventure we have for you today. We have a random adventure within a random adventure. It's random adventures all the way down, young man. And uh, to set this up perfectly, Pete, why don't you catch the listeners up on where we've been so far in our Time Space Visualizer? Well, first, Happy New Year. It's the first hey. of the new year. But, you know, the new year doesn't start until you have a reflection on where you've been the previous year. It lasts the last few weeks. <laughs> so previously on Pull to Open, hey, guys, we were in the tenant era with a cute <laughs> little black hole. Aw, uh, so and cute. And a delightful Satan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah you don't think of these things as being cute but they were uh, they were yeah. we could take refuge in our sanctuary base uh with all that uh anyway it was the impossible planet in the satan pit where one ellie blackwood came and uh, helped us with a bit of a commentary on that that was good times and then the randomizer got very much into the spirit of the season taking us to the matt smith christmas special a uh, christmas carol and man, were there some moral quandaries in that one? Yep. And then, then I asked for less moral quandaries, and I you got did. possibly the biggest moral quandary in in uh, certainly in our adventure so far. Yeah, as I recall, you asked for something very light, something mm-hmm. you could just turn your brain off, and mm-hmm. we got the adventure that might be the polar opposite of that spirit, which was demons of the Punjab. Yes, uh, very well remembered Jodie Whittaker episode, which took on the weighty topic of the Indian partition. That's right, which sent me scurrying into history corner, where I stayed with piles of books for a week, uh, trying to figure out the the real story behind partition, and and discovered that the show actually did a pretty good job. So go listen to our episode on that. Yeah, please uh, do. And actually, if you already listened to it, go ahead and you might want to listen to it again because there was an extended history corner that has now been uh, restored in the audio version on the podcast. But on YouTube, you can listen to the entire history corner in a, a separate video. It was so it was so huge it didn't initially fit into our <laughs> TARDIS. It was uh, it was just so dimensionally transcendental. This podcast, yeah, uh, was, we got the entire thing on youtube and in our uh, podcast uh, definitely 
Definitely a history corner that's bigger on the inside. Uh, my goodness, what what a bigger on the inside topic partition was. Uh, now, th- that was last time. It doesn't feel like last time because we've done so many hot takes uh, on on the specials, yeah. uh, which which kind of intersected with everything that we were doing randomly in a timey-wimey way. Uh, but there, there is a random journey, and, and the randomizer must be paid heed to. And uh, after Demons of the Punjab, it took us somewhere that is, uh, well, it was perhaps well, it was the little adventure that we were looking for. Yeah, it basically was finally responding to you and saying, <laughs> like, let's do something light, something that, you know, doesn't have a lot of thinking involved. And it's like, like let's take these guys to season two, serial eight, The Chase. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, The Chase, a.k.a. The Daleks 3. As it was uh, originally known, it was Terry Nation's third opportunity to reuse his Dalek tropes. Um, And it is one, though, so we haven't been to the one before it, which is the Space Museum. We have been to the one after it, which is the Time Meddler. Uh, So we saw Stephen Taylor's first proper adventure in the TARDIS. And and now we got to go back and see how he got there in the first place and what happened with Ian and Barbara. And I've got to say that the randomizer does love Hartnell. I think we're, we may be at the stage where we've done more Hartnell stories than any other doctor. Is that true? Is, is he beating Capaldi at this point? He might be. You know, I haven't done the, inner, uh, the, the inventory of this, but it feels like we've done tons of Hartnell. It's it's. The, the the randomizer definitely has its preferences of doctors, and you might yeah. we have to do some kind of analysis. So it seems to love Hartnell, mm-hmm. Pertwee, yep, um, a little bit Tom Baker. It seemed like it was into Davison at first, but then sort of got cold on him. Mm, and same. Uh, Capaldi, oh, and now recently Tennant. I mean Tennant, you know, <laughs> and that's that's kind of it. I mean, yeah, we kind of cheated a little bit by doing a good chunk of Jodie Whittaker's second mm. season early on, non-randomly. Yeah, uh, but it is definitely neglected. Troughton and mm. McCoy. Those are the ones it's really completely not completely avoided, but avoided uh, th- throughout. So, yeah. uh, but Hartnell, yeah, we're filling it in pretty pretty quickly at a nice pace. And it seems to particularly like the TARDIS team, the combination of Ian and Barbara and Vicky mm-hmm. and the Doctor. Yep. It's kind of the randomizer's sweet spot. And, of course, this is bittersweet because it is the last of Ian and Barbara. It mm, is. Spoiler. Oh, sorry. No, it's we'll all good. Get I, I think we, <laughs> we're in season five and pull to open now. I think we can yeah. pretty much assume uh, the folks are not watching along. Or if you are, that's great. Let us know because we'd love mm. to hear from you. But guys, we're going to get to the commentary on the chase in just a little bit. But I want to kick things off today with our first show of the new year with a little bit of a note of what's going to happen and pull to open this year. So it's 2024. It's time to make some resolutions. It's time for a fresh coat of paint and new approaches to things. And here's what is going to change around here on Pull to Open. First of all, we're going to make our introductions, which, yes, we've heard loud and clear throughout the months and years that sometimes we go on a bit in our intros. We're going to tighten that up. It doesn't mean that it's going to go away entirely, but we are going to get to our commentaries quicker uh, going forward. So yeah. what that means is a couple of things that you might have heard early on will might be scattered throughout. So we're shaking up the format a bit. 
Yeah. Um, Still doing the things you love, the TLDW, the Homoji Challenge that's coming up. Uh, we're we're going to get to a lot of them quicker, basically. We're, we're going to get into it uh, more quickly. We will still remind you about reviews and all of the social networks that you can find us on. That's definitely a way that we are uh, different from other Talk To podcasts. You can find us literally everywhere. Every corner of the World Wide Web, we have sent our TARDIS to in advance. Uh, if you find a new social media planet and we're not on it, please let us know, because uh, we like to be everywhere. Um, but we'll, we'll remind you of that throughout. We'll, we'll get into the, the podcast more quickly. And uh, we have uh, an exciting new tier of uh, the Pull to Open experience, an actual right. Pull to Open membership. Exactly. So as everyone who has listened to the podcast before knows, around right around now, we'd probably be telling you that we have a YouTube channel. Hey, we have a YouTube channel, uh, but I'm not bringing it up just to say that. It's at, uh, at youtube.com slash pull to open. Uh, there is now a membership program on the YouTube channel. So uh, you can, if you want to become a supporter of the podcast, you can go to YouTube and become a supporter for the low, low price of seven and 99 satsumas a month or dollars. <laughs> we also accept. Um, and now it's not just, you know, Hey, you're supporting uh, content that you love, which uh, I hope you do, but you will also as a member be entitled to get the podcast a day early. That's right. Usually our podcast posts very early on Saturday mornings, uh, New York time. And you will be able to get it a whole 24 hours earlier on the Friday before. So, you know, you can queue it up for the weekend. You could brag to all the other pull to open fans. Hey, I already listened to the thing that isn't even available yet mm. uh, on a Friday. So that'll be good times. Yeah. Looking and, forward to creating a whole class of pull to open hipster there. But yeah, mm -hmm. seven, seven ninety nine a month. That's that's cheaper than a fun fair in Ghana uh, <laughs> in 1996. It's it's cheaper than Twitter or what used to be known as Twitter. Cheaper than the premier membership there. And uh, yeah, the podcast day early. You, you get to you get to brag about that. You get to be in advance on our, uh, our timey wimey uh, journey. You get to be just a little bit ahead of the Daleks. And I know we've in the past and we still do, we have a Patreon where you can also support the podcast uh, as well as a, a Substack. You can still do so in both of those places. And if you've already uh, become a contributor to the podcast or a patron, don't worry about the YouTube uh, thing. We're going to make sure that you will uh, will find a way to get you into that early access uh, membership as well. So so don't worry if you're like, hey, I already uh, showed my support. We know. We're, we're going to make sure you're you're a member. So all good things. Uh, we definitely want to be more active on social media. So as, if keep engaging with us there. We'll keep engaging back. We'll reply. You'll probably see more stuff from us during the week. Uh, you know, that's mm -hmm. it's feast or famine sometimes with us. But mm -hmm. uh, it's one of our goals to make sure our social media is just a little more active. So whether you follow us on X, on Threads, on Blue Sky, on TikTok, on Instagram and mm -hmm. all the other places. I'm probably skipping two or three. All the ones uh, we're forgetting. Yep. Yeah, Facebook. we'll be on top of it. So keep replying, keep on chatting, and we will uh, be um, talking to you. Yeah, we do want this to be an interactive podcast. We don't want to just talk at you. We want to talk with you. We want to know what you think uh, of, of the episode. You can tell us in Poll to Open on Spotify. We'll get to that. Uh, but first of all, one, one of the biggest contributions you can make is to give us a Doctor Who title from the history of the show in the form of emoji. 
and we will then use that. That will be in the Codex Forever, but also it will be used in the next segment coming up. Pete, what is it? The Humoji Challenge. That's right, folks. These are all listener-contributed emojis, humojis. And uh, we have one today that I've, I've already revealed to Chris before the show is very apt. Uh, <laughs> I won't say why it's apt, because that would be a massive giveaway, but mm. it's a very apt emoji challenge. I also think it's actually quite difficult, but we'll see. Oh, boy. When well, I, last time I said that, you guys got it right away. <laughs> and also last time you said it was easy, let us forget, and I still not haven't uh, yeah actually let us forget uh, i i still have not gotten over the curse of the black spot uh, should old emojis be forgot yes uh, yes they should forget this one uh <laughs> and it is four emojis oh boy all okay. right first emoji <clears throat> ambulance okay second emoji motorcycle <laughs> okay. Third emoji. X-ray. Chest X-ray. Okay. Fourth emoji. A clock with the hands at midnight. Hmm. I'm gonna drop this in the chat for you. One second. Yes, please. Uh, okay. So the the motorcycle makes me th- and and the ambulance both make me think of bells of St. John's. Good guess, but wrong. Ah, okay. Where else is there a motorcycle? There's a motorcycle in uh, Day of the Doctor. But Good guess, I, but wrong. <laughs> I'm not getting the chest x-ray. Ooh, uh, maybe this is a reference to the Doctor Who movie. It's the movie! Nice! <laughs> oh, thank smart, goodness. Did right? you start thinking about um, the ambulance? Exactly, you did exactly what I did when I first yes. went this. And I actually even included Smith & Jones, even though I don't oh. think there was an ambulance. Whenever I look at medical stuff, I think of that one because Martha is a doctor, they're in a hospital. That always sort of screws me up. Uh, but the midnight thing here gives it away. Right, that that is when the doctor regenerates. Yes, right. Well, it's uh, it's when it's um like the the, the world is going to get pulled apart at midnight, oh, yeah, New yeah. Year's Eve. Which oh hey, hello, future listener. We actually recording this on New Year's Eve. Hey, uh, why it was apt. So there you go. Fabulous, I love it. Fantastic, uh, and so apt for the chase as well, because of course the Doctor Who movie when he regenerates. There's that they they're watching a Frankenstein movie, mm. uh, Frankenstein's monster. Like it's a deliberate reference. That scene we have that in the chase as well. So didn't even think of that. Dead on. Wow, <laughs> look at this. Even Thank more. Thank you apt. very much, Bob Gilby, who had no idea how apt his emoji challenge was. Bob, thanks so much for all the emojis you've submitted lately. You too can submit a emoji, as Chris said. Uh, we would love that if you could do it in the form of a review. So the Apple Podcast app, uh, of course, allows you to submit reviews. Please leave a review in the form of a Doctor Who title uh, as, as an emoji. And we will still accept them from other places. But this is the, really the main way we want to get you uh, submitting emojis. So it's kind right. of, you know, if you... if you, It's also a thing we would just like, you know, a big push on reviews. If you could review the podcast and leave a emoji 
Uh, that would be amazing. And you will go to the top of the list of yes. our submitted emojis. Yes. And uh, please submit an emoji for any doctor other than Paul McGann. Uh, <laughs> we've now that square has been taken but literally any other doctor uh, you can add even if you want to do shooty gutwell you want to do the church on ruby road do it um, do we, it. we can add that that's in the codex um, oh, wow. yeah. yeah yeah I, I can could, I could already picture that in the right come on guys someone submit that <laughs> yeah that'll be an easy one and you know what I will have forgotten by next week that I even suggested that so you can totally take advantage of uh, short term memory loss and uh, do an easy emoji challenge in the form of a review another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help for your financial to-dos Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, another way to interact the show with the show is on Spotify, where we have a poll. We have a poll. That's right. If you're watching or listening to this on Spotify, go to the bottom of the screen. Pull from the bottom of the screen. There'll be a poll uh, asking you what you thought of the chase. You don't necessarily have to answer that yet. You can go to. You can wait till the end of the show. You can do it now if you if you're fans of the chase or haters of the chase. Uh, but you can do it for any single one of our stories. None of our polls have actually closed yet. So literally, just go through our entire canon, vote in everything. Uh, we know that you love spreadsheets. We know you love to rank. We know you love to vote. Uh, and we have some results. We read out the results uh, with a, with a couple of weeks delay to give you time to vote on them. Uh, and these these are preliminary results. I think hmm. I think the polls last always... for roughly <laughs> roughly two thousand years. Is uh, oh no, two thousand days is how long these polls last. Uh, so plenty of time. Yeah. Uh, and we have some ratings for a Christmas Carol. Uh, were, 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 the, were the people generous to a Christmas Carol, that did, or did they give it a lump of coal? They were generous, yes. It is an official Dalek in our poll results so far, with more than half, roughly 53% of the votes getting a Dalek. That's awesome. That's the rating we give to a good episode of Doctor Who. And a good chunk of our voters also picked the best of the best rating, the Viscount Banger. And that's, that's right. almost 30%. So I think our instincts, where both of us independently gravitated to the Banger Dalek hybrid, yeah, that has been confirmed by our our listeners. That's nice right. We... <laughs> nice work agreeing with us, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> agreeing ish. Like if, if the Banger and the Dalek were equal, uh, I would say uh, we agreed. 17.6% of you gave it a Professor Hater. Uh, which right. means you don't think it worked, but at least they tried something new. Nobody said Ogre on Fixed Point in Time or Lady Cassandra, our other ratings. Um, but yeah, we, we asked for a banger Dalek hybrid on our Christmas list. You gave it to us, sort of, or as, as near as you could manage. Perhaps you're a little cooler on the banger side, but that's all good. It's uh, it's kind of a Christmas miracle. Uh, and uh, please, yeah, go go back and continue to vote. 
Uh, yeah, in fact, I think I'll I'll be doing that now. Um, it's time yeah. to stay true to the resolution we just made. Tighten oh, things up and cut right to the chase, as it were. Hey, uh, and we are going to kick this off with what we always do. Something that's definitely never changing is the TLDW, the great mm. scene of the fun that we have, where one of us summarizes the plot of the episode in question in record time. And that, <laughs> <laughs> kicking off the year is, of course, Chris Taylor in this very not enviable position, because uh, there's a lot going on here. I mean, how meaningful it is is arguable, but... Uh, mm. The <laughs> there's many many stops. That yeah, are made. you know what I I there are, there are so many rabbit holes here where you, you the best thing you can do with the TLDW is remember you're not actually doing a commentary. Uh, you shouldn't use the words for some reason. Um, <laughs> that's definitely up there, that's very precious airtime. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But you know, your nerd heart can't not do it. For some reason, they're in haunted house. Sorry, uh, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself there. Uh, but yes, we allot thirty seconds per classic Who episode. The chase has six. Count them. Six episodes. Uh, I've counted. Whoa, yes. Oh, I counted. Uh wow. So okay. I am I'm shutting down my time space visualizer. Uh okay. so that there are no no spoilers on this. I'm gonna fly blind, just like the doctor in the machine that he invented for some reason, apparently. Yep. Well, um Ready or not, <laughs> time or not. is in hot pursuit of you in the official pull to open summary of the chase. In three, two, one, go. Okay, so the Doctor, Vicky, Ian, and Barbara, after the Space Museum, they've got this time-space visualizer thing. The Doctor's setting it up, and uh, they watch TV. They watch Abraham Lincoln. They watch uh, Queen Elizabeth I and Shakespeare, and then they dance to the Beatles. It's the Beatles' plane ticket to ride. And then they land on a plan- planet called Ar- Aridius, and they go out, and it's just sand, and they wander around, and of course they get separated, but there's something on the time-space visualizer. What is it? The Daleks? Three the seconds. Daleks have arrived there ahead of them because the time-space visualizer thing is in the past. So the Dalek's already there. And uh, the uh, the separated companions, they, they all basically interact with the uh, Iridians and uh, they've, they've got this problem with the uh, some beast that's infiltrating them. The Daleks tell them to hand over the the uh, uh, interlopers and so they they are going to hand them over uh but but the doctor and ian trick them they throw coats over the daleks eye stalks and they get off they go escape in the tardis and they escape to uh new york the empire state building in 1966 and they encounter a guy from alabama there and then the, the daleks chase them they're just behind them and then they go to the mary celeste the ship and the daleks turn out to be the reason why everyone flees the mary celeste and jumps in the water uh and they they take off again they land somewhere that the doctor thinks they're inside the human mind because there's like a very cliched dracula and a very cliched frankenstein uh but no it turns off when the tardis takes off again after frankenstein destroyed one of the daleks that this is actually uh, a funfair in ghana in 1996 um and they they take off again but they yeah Vicky ends up in the, the Dalek ship. Oh no, what's happened? But she sees that they've got a robot of the Doctor that's basically going to infiltrate and replace the Doctor somehow. Uh, but meanwhile, the TARDIS land on Mechanus 
and this is where they choose the final stand because there's a corridor and uh they they decide to uh uh take a stand against the daleks then and vicky is back with them and she thinks that the doctor is the robot and she's super confused and there's a really confusing thing where the doctor and the robot fight and uh, ian almost kills the actual doctor with a rock but now they kill the robot instead uh, and so that's done. And then they find the actual uh, mechanoids, and 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 uh, Stephen Taylor is there. He's he's been captured, uh, and they escape. They they get up and down 30. down a rope, and they and and Vicky's afraid of heights, but they, the the uh, the city uh, explodes. They basically set fire to the city, and they trap the Daleks in it. And Ian and Barbara use the Dardis, the Dalek Tardis, to go back to London, nineteen sixty five, and the Doctor's really sad about it but they watch them on a time space fertilizer and uh he and vicky say, go- say goodbye and off they go into the time vortex not even being aware that stephen taylor is on the chip and time nice work wow right on time that was great oh i Good i job. Thank you. I blame myself for A, not remembering what the Maya beasts were called, and B, <laughs> no no mention of hi-fi. No mention of Stephen Taylor's oh, panda. Oh, yeah. He went back for mm. the panda. That's yeah. okay. That's okay. So <laughs> I was really worried because you were like getting into what they were watching in the time of this space visualizer there, but then you really remarkably like were right on time in terms of getting out of Meridius <laughs> at like the one minute mark, and you got all the stuff in the right order. Yeah, like, which was that's, that's a miracle, right? There. <laughs> like, you know, first they end up. Well, where did they go? The Empire State Building, then yes. the Mary Celeste, and then the Funfair. Yes, and then the uh, then Mechanus. That's how it goes. You know, I I will I will say that. So I've not watched the chase before. I know that you have. Like we're coming at this from very oh, yeah. different perspectives. But what I did do was in Doctor Who magazine in the early years, they decided to do a series where they would just literally list every time that the TARDIS took off and landed. Um, mm. And you know, that, from that sounds like the Wilderness Years Doctor Who magazine, doesn't it? Right? I mean, the, the show was still actually on, but they were already doing this sort of stuff. Uh, uh, but obviously, there's a lot from the chase there. Like you get more from the chase in a list like that than you do from almost any other story, because there's mm. so much taking off and landing. Uh, and we'll get to it, but maybe that's the first reason why the randomizer takes us here. It knows it. It listened to me low those many years ago, and I said I like stories where they the TARDIS isn't just some forgotten plot device. It's actually front and center and used. Um, and you can see with all the TARDISes around me how much I love the TARDIS. Mm. And oh boy, uh, this is definitely a be careful what you wish for kind of uh, story uh, with yeah. the TARDIS. So yeah, I feel like I was primed to remember the order of everything is what I'm saying. So yeah, it's it's a good, in terms of stepping back on and reflecting on the chase, like looking at mm. the format of this one and how it was, I wouldn't say necessarily say groundbreaking, but it was definitely trying something different than their general TARDIS lands in you know time or space or alien planet and having adventure and then leaves at the end. Now, it's not like they hadn't done anything at all in that respect. I mean, arguably the Edge of Destruction, which was the third story, was not... They didn't even land. It's entirely in the TARDIS. So mm. they've, they haven't you know locked themselves necessarily into a single format. But if you look at virtually every adventure before this one, the TARDIS lands at the beginning and leaves at the end. Yeah. Uh, I actually have to think really hard if there were any any exceptions to that rule. Um, you know, you, I guess you could argue the Romans because it falls off a cliff is a little. Mm. This is the first time they're just in and out, in and out, in and out within the same story. 
So that's cool. And this necessitated, this not only necessitate, but they took the opportunity to show the TARDIS in flight. So mm-hmm. it's kind of, you know, they have these very sort of 60s-esque, you know, superimposed effects on a background with the police box and also the Daleks time machine, um, which <laughs> I, I don't know whether to give you points or deduct points for calling it the Dardis. Yes, um, call that in the script, never in the show. Yes, yes. So, uh, but they show it. And and so it's the first time you see it, which of course they would in subsequent years and certainly in the new who you see the TARDIS flying all the time. They're like, it's part of the credits now. Mm-hmm. And most of the time when you see the TARDIS in flight these days, uh, it's spinning, right? Cause that's, that's the thing they started. God, I forget it. We've done, we've done the episode. Uh, it, was it a Baker, a Baker episode or a it was episode? a Pertwee? Yeah. Was I think, it? wasn't it frontier in space? We first see the TARDIS spinning, like something it. like that, or maybe it's the mutants. Somewhere around there, it's 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 one of Pertwee's earlier space adventures when uh, when he's gotcha. still actually stuck on Earth. But yeah, that's the first version of that effect. It's sort of, we're sort of getting the first glimmerings of the time war here, um, and uh, we're certainly getting the sense that that it's almost like Doctor Who is trying too hard to show you what it could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah. almost like it was, I mean, it, it, it's not like it was on the edge of cancellation or anything at this point. It was like hugely popular, like, you know, nine or 10 million people watched every episode of the chase. The, the, the viewing figures didn't really go down, but it is also sort of like, it feels like it's stretching at the edges of what it wants to be. And it's not quite like a clip show or a very special episode, but it is, it's got the the kind of thing that we would see again later in the the Daleks master plan, right? With the we're just going to scurry into this uh, location for this week, and you know we're going to have a madcap Christmas episode. Like you know, obviously they they did think that this was a uh, a template for it going forward, but my well, goodness, also good parallel with the Daleks master plan because mm-hmm. it, like they both feature the Daleks, and they're both clearly like milking them as much as they mm-hmm. can. This is, this is the second you know dalek adventure in season 2 or uh and it's you know they they right. did the daleks dalek invasion of earth but this time out it really feels like they're kind of drunk on their popularity a bit <laughs> yes and they're just like let's just go all out and and they're they're also like early on still sort of figuring out what the limits are that they can push with the daleks so one of the things the chases uh, known for, shall we say, and perhaps in some in some minds infamous for, is the humor mm. and some of the not so great attempts at humor within the script. Now, to be clear, I think some of the humor works and some of it doesn't. But part of where it doesn't work is where they intentionally make the Daleks goofballs. There are some very clearly intended scenes where Daleks stammer out lines. Yep just kind of act goofy. Like there's a bit where one Dalek is barking orders at another one in the second episode, I think. And we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And the other one's just replying, yes, yes, yes. And then the, the, the one that's barking orders starts to go away. It's like, well, go do it. You know, and yep. it's, like, it's like this old style Laurel and Hardy type comedy that it just might work. Might, might, probably wouldn't even work with people. But yeah. with Daleks are just like, what are you doing? Like, it really does feel like they are almost deliberately, like Terry Nation is almost deliberately set out to destroy his creations here, like to tear them down. <laughs> All of the scariness 
it's like it's it's almost exactly mirrored and in a in a kind of a not scary way for example the iconic image of the dalek coming out of the thames from the mm. dalek master plan is uh, not from uh, yeah. dalek invasion oh, yeah. of earth yeah. is done here again with a dalek coming out of the sand and coughing yeah and coughing up sand like it's almost a, an exact parody of of that scene uh but i'll tell you my my favorite thing that that the daleks do in this that that is just utterly ridiculous it's like they they just this is the first time when they stand around you know barking uh exterminate exterminate at, the, at each other right mm. so, which right first time they actually use it as a battle cry as a standalone word they 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 say they're exterminating people in the dalek invasion but the the actual like exterminate exterminate just this is the first time it happens but it's almost like they're throwing like every possible it's like you know the daleks are like let's let's brainstorm what our word should be like there are no bad ideas here come on let's let's just throw it out what you got what you got annihilate that's good that's good let's say that 10 times like they all copy each other like you know that that's very much a dalek thing my favorite thing is at one point the daleks in the chase say destroy and rejoice yeah destroy and rejoice now destroy i get that daleks they like a bit of destruction rejoice well, now <laughs> uh, do the daleks like to have a party when they destroy things like are they is this like dalek christmas is it dalek new year what is the rejoicing what does a dalek rejoicing look like yeah, well, this is, it's kind of funny, like, not to read too much into it, but I like, <laughs> I like the line. Worst of all, their battle cry here is way better than, you know, uh, the stuff that they meant. I forget what exactly what they say in Destiny of the Daleks, um, but it's like, do not deviate. Like, what I mean, you know, like, not just coming up with different words for exterminate, but there's uh, seek, locate, exterminate. That was it. That yes. Kind of like, okay, come on. These Daleks better. It's like they start with align and advance, advance and attack, attack and destroy, destroy and rejoice. And it's like, right. I see yeah. your, your little, it's very linear, just like this story. It's a very, like. It feels like they've, they've been reading some Dalek self-help here. Like, you know, this, this is, this is like the, the four Dalek agreements. You know, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess like, you know, the one of the other knocks I'll give on Destiny of the Daleks is that's obviously we'd said at the time we've done that one where they get the Daleks wrong, that they're robots and have zero emotions. I think it's clear Daleks do have emotions, you know, they mm. it's just their main emotions are centered around hatred of all other life forms. Um, so what if they're killing something that's that's cause for celebration? You did some yeah. extermination. Good job. Let's go. Let's uh, and I don't know how they celebrate. It's mostly maybe the nodding of the eye stalks, which is another mm-hmm. ridiculous mm-hmm. moment. They they attach new hands. They 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 trade in their right. plungers for like a a uh, one of them's got like a gyroscope. Like what the hell? Yeah, is, is that even doing? But yeah, it's it's a bit weird. Um, and so is the overall structure. Let's talk about the overall structure of the chase and it's sort of why it was hard to get into as as a first time watcher uh long time fan uh mm-hmm. of of the chase um i just the, the structure is okay so there's a chase through time right. and you can't but it's it's timey wimey but you can't chase. skip ahead you can't like leap over so, even though it's in time you you can't like get there 5 minutes earlier and yeah it's a bit linear for there's sure. like there's a whisper of the structure because the doctor does say something like it takes his the tardis computers 12 minutes right. once you land to figure out a new destination now that 
that made me think of do you know uh, the the Battlestar Galactica uh, episode like the first 33. episode of 33 yes. Mm-hmm. yes totally. which was just so good and it's like it's about the cylons like you know the fact that they are wearing the humans down because cylons don't need to sleep but humans do and so mm-hmm. if you just wear them down where they like have to jump every 33 minutes then eventually they'll make a mistake now if they did that in the chase like we've got to leave somewhere every 12 minutes uh you know and there's no time to rest um by the way there is so much resting in this <laughs> like there's so they much nap on on mechanus they the have a nap on mechanus they have a nap on aridus it's like you know doctor who pan galactic napping uh yeah. in this story and and the doctor and bob nap together which is kind of nice it's kind of well, sweet yeah you got a point in terms of like you could do a darker <laughs> episode and have it the tension higher Hmm. Uh, and you know, that, that would probably be a better result. I don't, I don't disagree, but I also think if what they're going for here to me, it's, it's the equivalent of a summer blockbuster, Hmm. uh, and sixties doctor who, you know, it's really just get your popcorn, you know, what does it make sense that they're chasing through time, but not going in front ahead or behind or whatever, not a lot. And you could argue, maybe they did a little of that on Iridius where, the the time space visualizer works by the way i I do think the time space visualizer is a neat little device Mm. putting aside the complication that it's never seen again (laughs) and the technology is never really used again unless you count sort of the matrix of gallifrey um but as as a device in this thing it works really well first there's it gives them (laughs) like the excuse to blow even more budget and hire even more uh, actors to do even more scenes um, which, you know, again, like, okay, you got the money. Why not? Go ahead. Show us Lincoln. Show us Queen Elizabeth's court. Yeah. Well now, okay. Let, let's, let's deal with that because, you know, Let we need, we need, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that the call it, that sets up the thing with the Daleks mm. so that they could see them. And then all of that, it comes back around at the end with the, uh, them, them tuning into Ian and Barbara having a good time in yeah. Five. It's just a nice little callback. So the way it's used here, and this is exactly you know what as it should be if you're an episodic show, which Doctor Who you know at the time kind of was and wasn't really that concerned with continuity. Yeah, mm. who cares what what the technology is? And if, if, <laughs> there's no reason he shouldn't use it in every adventure after, and then every yeah. mystery is solved instantly. It's like, well, who killed who? Oh, let's just tune into the time space visualizer. Oh, that guy. <laughs> You know? <laughs> I, I love the idea also that the Doctor is like, you know, we don't see this, but maybe it could be a web- webisode sometime that the Doctor is actually just like checking up on his old companions, like late nights oh, alone yeah. in the TARDIS. He goes in the time space visualizer room, whacks it on the side a few times with a hammer because it is like a 60s television where huge thing, a mm. tiny screen, and like you have to hit it a lot and it makes weird noises. I love that it. it's basically, you know, space television, but for the 60s. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, yeah, just looking in on his old companions and weeping silently. Oh. Saying things like, Sarah Jane's gone. Can you believe that? Um, you see yeah. Smith in the dark <laughs> yeah. room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, looking, looking so, at the ponds. Yeah, you visualize them. All so, right. So, do you want to talk about the Beatles scene? Yes. So, <laughs> let, well, let's talk about all of the places the time space visualizer goes. Right. First of all, uh, Ian, Ian chooses the Gettysburg address, mm-hmm. which is like, okay, but why? 
Uh, and then we get like we get what appears to be a star turn from the animatronic Lincoln from Disneyland, <laughs> <laughs> which like I I like I knew there were robots somewhere in the chase. I'm like, is this a robot Lincoln? It really feels like a robot Lincoln. Like he's not it's, doing a good reading. Well, it's kind of doing a tease of the accents that were to come in the gunfire, <laughs> <laughs> or indeed a tease of Peter Perv's accent in this. I was kind oh, of unspoiled on that, but that we'll was get to a that. Better, I would say, but go on. Okay. So then we get Queen Elizabeth I's court and her berating Shakespeare for basing Falstaff on Sir John Oldcastle. Now, why would she do this? Because the essential piece of information they're not giving you, and I didn't discover until I looked this up, Sir John Oldcastle was in the 15th century. He died in like 1417. Uh 200 years before Queen Elizabeth. So, like, is she like, hey, that, that dude was one of my ancestors or something? Like, you know, mm. why, why did you base full stuff on him? Like, no, no, she wouldn't do that. And then it's just, it's so, like, maybe we've seen too much, like, Shakespeare in love. Like, the, how did Shakespeare get his ideas? That's just not funny. But the whole thing of Sir Francis Bacon is there. And, and, hey, he says you should do something based on Hamlet, Prince of Denmark. Chase uh, was like, hmm, Hamlet, you say? Hmm, meaningfully. <laughs> like, it just reads it, it, to our eyes where we've seen this, like, over and over. It, it, it doesn't read good. Um, so, well, that's certainly a bit weird. not to the man in charge of the history corner. I didn't think we get this deep in the history corner in, in the chase. But I did not think. On. I did not think I was going to do any sort of history corner on that. Like I thought we were going to focus on Mary Celeste. We'll get there. Uh, we've got a tiny history corner on the Mary Celeste. Nothing of the size of the uh, uh, the, the vast uh, partition history corner. Just a teeny tiny one this time. Um, but we'll get there. But let's talk about the Beatles. Let's uh, talk about the Beatles. Let's talk about the Beatles because I you wanted a Beatles. To ride. <laughs> Sorry, I wanted a Beatles bingo. Uh, we had the mention of the Beatles in the Three Doctors. Obviously, this is just a temporary Beatles bingo. Uh, mm. we, we have it; it's temporary. We know now that they're coming up in Shooty's first season, which I'm super excited about. Uh, but yeah, this was an example where they literally they could have had the Beatles on the show. Mm literally on the show and the idea was that it was going to be the old beatles it was going to be the yeah. beatles and a 50th anniversary concert now 50th anniversary of what we don't know if it's like the beatles becoming successful in the uk that would be 2012 i'm gonna say it like the first year everyone in the world had heard of the beatles 1963 that's the year we associate with it mm. and with doctor who so well, like and it's the only way Ian and Barbara could even know who they are. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, because it's funny, like what's criticized here sometimes is that Ian's like singing along the ticket to ride, which hadn't even been released at the time. Although he's not really right. Like if you actually yeah. look at the footage, he's just kind of mouthing it. And it's like, he's dancing. All you like have to this. do is, well, you also, you only need to hear the chorus once. Like, you know, it's a, it's a Beatles song. You can get into it pretty easily, pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, so hold on there, John. Easy. She's got a ticket to ride and she don't care? Those <laughs> looks are too complicated. Give it to me again. <laughs> yeah. So I think all of that's fine. Um, but yeah, oh my, I, I'll have to say, like, thank God they didn't do the 50th anniversary thing. because I... Well, I, I'm in the exact opposite end. I'm like, yeah. oh my god, they should have done that. And it was only the manager, Brian Epstein. Thanks, Brian. No, seriously, love you, Brian. Um, who who said no? He said that didn't sound good. He didn't well, then, want old Beatles. Then there would be, of course, I guess this would 
you you like the idea of there's a parallel timeline where the Beatles all live to be 50 years old. <laughs> yes. Or sorry, uh, to 2012. I think. Yes, was, yes. When did, when did George Harrison die? I forget. Was that after 2001? 2001. Okay, yeah. yeah. So that's, yeah, little did we know that on the 50th anniversary of the Beatles, there would only be two Beatles left. Mm. Sad to say, but yeah, and, and that's of course where we are now. Now it is an idea that they would return to if you've seen Yellow Submarine. You know that they did the the whole sequence of when I'm 64 as mm-hmm. growing old Beatles in animated form. I would have loved to see that in the show. And perhaps the, if they'd actually done this, Paul had already written when I'm 64. It was one of the first songs he ever wrote. It's mm-hmm. just that it kind of ends up on the Sgt. Pepper album because they're kind of running out of stuff by then. Uh, so it goes back to the archives. Like, But maybe he would have pulled it out for this. Maybe Doctor Who could have debuted a new Beatles song. I mean, how <laughs> extraordinary was that? Well, it's still notable because yes. they reused the footage from Top of the Pops so that is doesn't seem now that remarkable. The problem is, of course, virtually all the top of the pops recordings were wiped. So yep. the footage that survives in the chase is some of the only footage from the Beatles on top of the pops. And it's it's so short. It's uh, sad. Too bad Barbara turns it off. Yeah. Square. Square. But, yeah. She, she doesn't like the classical music, as Vicky calls it. <laughs> now, of course, the irony here is that the Beatles sequence is now cut from almost all of the official versions today. Mm. So I, I watched this on the Blu-ray, the new collection, and it's not there. And what, what they almost do it, like basically they talk about it's 1965, and I think you hear the first words from the announcer, but then they mm. cut right to, oh, we're, we're landing, let's go. Mm. Uh, and we have they run to the console room. In the BritBox version, you don't even get that. Yeah. It's the entire thing is just gone. Now, obviously, this is because of rights issues. I mean, you know, when they made this in 1965, who knew what digital distribution even would be? Mm. And there was nothing was in there about like, you know, what home video or whatever. So if that's All not right. specified, you don't have it. And they're not going to you know, back up the money truck to whoever rolls the rights. <laughs> now. I used to be like Michael Jackson's estate. Right. Who owns it now? But yeah. Yeah. It's, and uh, it's, it's it sad. Is- it's sad. I mean, if you're listening in the UK, don't worry, you've got it. Like it's still in the UK version. Mm. Uh, if you get a UK DVD, it also be in there. Yeah, I, I believe it's on iPlayer. Yeah, because of course, like this is, you know, there's no way the BBC doesn't hold the rights like Top of the Pops. Uh, you know, which which that was a performance from. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's also the the distribution. You know, mm. so if you haven't specified that you you also get digital distribution and do anyway it doesn't matter i don't want to get into yeah. the right thing, but I could, yeah. I could definitely see that being an issue yeah but nobody was even thinking of like america being a place that you would want to show doctor who at this point like even even though they go to america for for the first time in in the chase uh like no they did in planet of the giants planet of the giants planet of the giants yeah. really that was america wasn't it no was no, it? no 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 he's definitely they're, they're english i believe it's like oh. the english thug yeah um, but anyway, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame, but clearly they, they own the British rights, you know, no, nothing's going to take it away from that. What surprised me having not seen this sequence before was that the doctor dances, uh, <laughs> which is uh, kind of appropriate given that we are, you know, we've just seen church on Ruby road, you know, the, the doctor sings and dances and here he is dancing. Like he's behind the time space visualizer. You could, but you can see that he's bopping. 
<laughs> like it's, it's, it's in the background, but he's like fingers up, just doing a little Matt Smith. Yeah, you know, he's doing a little of that. I love it. And then he makes a joke about Barbara. You've squashed my favorite Beatles. Um. And then well, Vicky, Vicky says that she's seen, she's been to like the Memorial Beatles Theater in Liverpool, which <laughs> first of all is wonderful because Maureen O'Brien is from Liverpool. Um, uh, secondly, yeah, they haven't quite built a Memorial Theater, but like everything else in Liverpool is now Beatles themed, like John Lennon Airport and, you know, that you can mm. go to the cavern, you can go to the Beatles Museum, uh, all of this stuff. Um, but yeah, it sort of correctly predicts like the, the Beatles would become big in our society. So good one, Doctor Who. Yeah, good one, Doctor Who. Um, so going from that to Iridius is, got to say, that scene, all, all of it, like really that the bit in, even before the time space visualizer, during and after when, you know, Ian's chasing vicky who just wants to go advent on her adventures all that i think really works well like i mean that's the kind of stuff that makes the final scene where nina and barbara leave that much more sort of felt because yeah. this is the really good sort of character building we're becoming a family type stuff even the stuff where mm. the doctor's getting annoyed with vicky and she's being pretty annoying to everyone because she just wants attention because she's a kid like this is the mm -hmm. thing she's written as like this 15 year old or something so She's she's wandered around. Barbara's doing something nice for her. This is, I think, something that didn't even quite make our cut of, of gifts. I forget if oh, we yeah. it or not in the uh, gifts episode we did around Christmas. But she's getting ready to give Vicky a gift. She's making her a dress, yeah. which is super nice. Which and, doesn't like she skips town without even giving her that gift. Thanks, Barbara. <laughs> well, she spilled coffee all over it. So it's yeah, like, you gonna do. Um, but yeah, why, there, you, why? there's all this sort of family stuff. And I got to say like this, this is the kind of stuff that I think works well. Like there, there's bad humor in the chase. Don't get me wrong, but there's good humor too. And I think you don't let the bad stuff overshadow the good stuff. So that bit where they are sunning themselves on Iridius and the doctor's singing and there's the joke. No, not that awful noise. The other one. Yes. And I got to say, Jackie Hill delivers that really well. Grace laughed. I laughed. It's it's a it's a good joke. And then they get some good mileage out of it with the doctor going like, oh, I could chain the nightingales out of the trees. Like it, it's funny stuff. This is this uh, there good, is. Good I don't know. I don't know if you thought as as I did, having just been to a Christmas Carol where Rory and Amy are playing dress up for a, a reason <laughs> that may be clear to the adults, but not necessarily clear to the kids. There's the line about Barbara's cardigan. Uh, where Ian says, Barbara, give me your cardigan. And she says, oh, not again. Well, <laughs> And he says, not for me, not for me, for the Daleks. I'm like, okay, what has been going on in the TARDIS? Sit me down, sit me down. It's a, <laughs> it's a reference to the Space Museum. Aww. There, there's, there's lots of cardigans being used for various plot purposes. So, Okay, does Ian wear one? Uh, you'll have to see that one. I, okay. Actually, <laughs> right, no I think, I think it was more of a knitted one. So they needed, mm. needed some string to, okay. to find something. Um, but it's certainly, so, you get the sense that Ian and Barbara are like totally a couple in this. Oh, for sure. Well, especially that final scene when yes. they're together and they're partying together, they don't go to their separate ways No, and you see their families who are never mentioned, but I mean, they're TV characters. So whatever, I guess. And, but they when especially when they get on the bus at the end after they've had tons of fun they're totally they, coupled up 
yeah, she's leaning into him and he's into it. And they're just the familiarity. Like, you know, they, they've pushed as far as they could for a kid's TV show, I'd say in 1965. Mm. Um, and I will say, I'll just get another mention in here. Cause I'd like to mention it as many times as I can. on pull to open one of the best comics they ever did in Doctor Who magazine is something called hunters of the burning stone. Mm. And if you were ever a Ian and Barbara shipper, which let's face it, we all are, uh, you, it comes to a nice, nice fruition in that comic. Uh, mm. it's, it's really, really nice. What, where, where they sort of end up, they get there happily ever after. Yeah. You've mentioned that uh, a few times and I re- really need, need to go read it now. That's, uh, yeah, perhaps we can provide a link in the show notes of like how, how Let's one can it. read that because uh, yeah. Only yeah, if Amazon gives me an affiliate commission. But, <laughs> um, yeah, so go. it's good. So it's all good family building stuff. There is mm. good, there is good humor. Now let's talk about some not so good humor. So there's a yeah. character called Morton Dill. Yes. Played by I, Peter Purvis. I was so <laughs> unspoiled on this uh, that I did not know that Peter Purvis is in it twice. <laughs> Did I you would, recognize him? I uh, not in the first thirty seconds, but then I'm like, "Hang on, I know that voice. I've watched enough Blue Peter. Like that's, <laughs> I recognize this guy. And also, like it's, it's got a okay. Let, let's talk about the accent. He he's supposed yeah. to be a dude from Alabama. Uh, what what did you think of his accent? Oh no, definitely not. No. <laughs> no, just no, no, Peter Buzz, no. He's doing American Hayseed, is what he's doing. Yes. Generic American Hayseed. It's not. Again, this is BBC 1965. I wouldn't call it shoestring budget, but it is like you you use what you can, and you, do, you probably don't have a lot of people who understand the subtleties of the American South and the difference in accents there. So, um, or even even sort of something more general. Yeah, <laughs> for the American South, I suppose. So it's it, not it, very good. I feel like it kind of works. So first of all, we should say that there is kind of a trope of British actors defaulting to a bad Southern accent mm-hmm. when they play American accents, and I often cringe when it happens. And it's something about like the British seem to think that if you do an American accent, you have to really do an American accent. You go so far into the American accent that you go into the Deep South. Right, that that tends to be, or you put a Texas twang on it, or something like that tends to be a thing. I kind of like I didn't get that cringe with with Peter Perv's accent here, and it's perhaps it's because that he himself, like he's sort of he's just a nice guy and has sort of that sort of genuine credulousness of of a hayseed himself. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, it doesn't. I don't get the sense that he's mocking. Uh, more right, right, Bill. right. Uh, yeah, I'd yeah, say that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. It just, and, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't say like, oh, that guy's obviously from here or there based mm. on, on the sound of the accent. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely agree. He's not, uh, mean about it. It's not, it's not, yeah. Some like get a load of this guy. Yeah. Kind of portrayal. It's it's just more that he's, he's so credulous that, and, and he's, but he's also like, ah, now I see how this trick is done. Like he's trying to be smart. He's trying to think that he's seeing movies and of course he's not like poor guy never seen a never seen a TARDIS before to quote Mrs. Flood <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah someone Mrs. Flood should pop in at that point turn to camera what's matter Mr. Dill never seen a TARDIS before 
uh, or a Dardis. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like a Dalek with a Anita Dobson well, wig. People, um, people, so I, I, don't, I think he's a bit goofy. Some of the lines kind of work. I like when Vicky, I think Vicky's the second one to walk out of the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. And he's already done the 1966 thing with Barbara. And he just goes, 1966. <laughs> She's What's, like, oh, well, it's the same. Yeah. That's actually have... good information. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. First of all, let's. I at this moment I kind of pictured a you know the the Drake meme where he's Drake is you know from Hotline Bling and he's sort of turning away from a thing and then he's like pointing at the thing like, uh-huh. no yes and the, the Drake meme here is New York 1966 no London 1965 hey <laughs> like they could have gotten out of the TARDIS here and just gone home like get uh-huh. out. Yeah, they okay. They would have needed a bit of money to get across the Atlantic, but you're kind of ditching the doctor on his. Yeah. You, know, you deal with the Daleks. So you can't. I mean, you can't just do that. Come on. But it would have been a nice thing to just sort of you know a little bit of a foreshadowing to be like you know to have one moment where Barbara's like, Ian, we're in we're in 1966. We're so close. We're like, should we? Yeah. Maybe? And then Ian's like, No, we have to. You know, be we have to save the. We have to go with the doctor now. And yeah. I wouldn't have hated it because, but I think they're so locked into like thinking we have to figure out some way, place to face the Daleks um, that now what's everything else in the universe is almost like not doesn't matter sort of extraneous. Yeah. So yeah, no, I get it. It wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have hated that. Um, now when they leave and then the Dalek time machine arrives mm-hmm. and the Dalek comes out. So people, some people don't like this scene. I actually do like it. Like even though it mm. is a bit goofy, the the humor here isn't let's make fun of the Daleks. The humor here is this guy's playing with fire, and yeah. the Dalek is this close to killing him, yeah. uh, just just for the hell of it. And only because he has a bit of useful information does he survive, you know. And that that I think is fine. That sort of um, I guess is a form of dramatic irony. But yeah. it's like. Um, so I, I didn't mind that at all, even though like he, he's got the breakdown at the end is a little much, but there's a wonderful moment where the Dalek loops around him and his eye stalk is following Morton Dill at all all times. And it's like, that's, I don't, I I think this, I'm correct in saying that's the only time that a Dalek has ever done that. Like that's really a 360 with the eye stalk. And I love it. It's just, I, it's a comedy yeah. moment that really it works close. for me. It's kind of interesting in Dalek. This is one something I don't think we even mentioned in Dalek because it's so minor. But when Eggleston walks around the Dalek, mm. it, it basically doesn't do the full 360. It follows him to about, you know, almost where it's facing behind itself. And then it, it actually goes the other way. It mm. comes back around. So it doesn't do the 360, which is, I, I, I'd be curious about that choice because if it loops all the way around, I think there's a bit more of an emphasis that this is a machine. Uh, but if it's kind of like doing something that a human neck would do, you go as far as you can in one direction and then mm. back the other way, that sort of humanizes it slightly. I would argue that's probably the choice uh, that they made in Dalek. Here they they make it go all the way around, which I don't know. It's it's maybe creepier because it's actually always yeah. looking at you. Exactly. That that was kind of both creepy and hilarious at the same time, which seems to be the sweet spot that Doctor Who's going for a lot of the time. Definitely gave me vibes of the uh, the Rasputin uh, scene from from Power of the Doctor, to mention the next story that uh, Ian is in. Um, 
Uh, yeah, so I like that bit. Like the episode three, that was the first one that actually worked for me. Interesting. And, and then they go to the Mary Celeste. That's that they do. And, they didn't like that. Uh, well, it's a weird tonal shift because uh, it's played as comedy. So the comedy is yeah. that the Daleks are like chasing the sailors around the ship, going, "Stop! Wait! We need to interrogate you." <laughs> um, Chill and, out, everyone. Hey, We're what? Is, what is it? Am I scary or something? Why are you jumping away? Why are you running? I'm going to have to talk to my therapist about this. Um, and uh, so it's a weird tunnel because that's comedy. But at the same time, like you see the captain's wife and child jumping yeah. to their deaths. Well, I, I caught that this time, uh, even though I've seen this several times. It was like that that struck me a li- for some reason harder this time. Like, wait, she's got a baby. Yeah. I mean, she's just jumping in the ocean. Like to oh, die. Hilarious. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> funnier than a baby doing a Jack and Titanic. Yes. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of weird. Okay. So, should we talk about the real history of Mary Celeste? I promise I'm going to keep this one short. Go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Would you like to introduce the segment? Five seconds. No, wait. Uh, <laughs> it's time for the Pull to Open History Corner. There we go. we got to have the jingle. Uh, okay, so the true story of the Mary Celeste. By the way, not Marie Celeste. That name was invented, that, that version of it was invented by Arthur Conan Doyle uh, when he wrote anonymously a, a short story about it that sort of was the reason that everyone was so interested in this abandoned, this famously abandoned ship. Um so it is it is true like they got the captain briggs they got they got that correct uh mary celeste had this whole weird history it was this whole other ship it was called the amazon it seemed to be cursed uh speaking of the curse of the black spot um the we still don't know we'll probably never know why the crew abandoned the ship but Mm -hmm. the leading theory is that they were the crew probably were very scared of an explosion uh, because the hold was full of alcohol hmm. and in wood casks, and you know they they would they would uh, in those days when they're transporting alcohol, you kind of open the the hold and you let the you let the vapors come out, you aerate it basically so that it doesn't you know explode under pressure because uh, that was apparently a problem. Now uh, the way that things are abandoned, you know they they were sort of checking the bilge and and all of this. Yeah, that's most likely option. They thought the alcohol was going to explode. They thought an explosion was imminent, so they sailed away because they were close to, I think, the Azores, uh, close to the island of Santa Maria, and they thought they could make it in a rowing ship, uh, and they they almost certainly didn't. Um, mm, yeah. So they thought they were saving their lives. Uh, it's also possible that like there was a break in a storm, you know, they 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 were away. The okay, breaking a storm. Let, let's like let this off gas, as it were, and we'll and then we'll come back to the ship. And then the storm kicks up again. They get separated from the ship, and and probably drowned then. So mm. that's that's the leading someone. Well, I guess that person might might have died. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well. Interesting. Turns <laughs> yeah. out that it was the Daleks all along. And they it just was. all panicked. You know what I don't get? Why did that Dalek dive in the water? Yes. <laughs> Every time I see this, it just there's a point where some Dalek just jumps in the water for no reason and seems to sort of scream. Yeah. And it's, it's purely like, okay. for the for getting to see a Dalek fall in water, because that that's funny. Um yeah. it's yeah, like because it sees everyone else jumping in the ocean, it thinks it has to too. And it's like 
Why why does it immediately <laughs> get destroyed? And then why don't the other Daleks care at all or even notice? Like no one why does it work that someone, you know, Dale the Dalek here just dove in. Oh my god. And like, <laughs> yeah, you need some other Daleks. Box. You need other Daleks up on the deck, going, Why why do you are you rejoicing? Is that how we rejoice? <laughs> um uh, yeah. everybody in the pool everybody in the pool uh yeah so it's kind of weird and then also weird uh is when in the next episode is the the haunted house house of horrors or house of terrors i forget what it is house but, of horrors yeah which the doctor to this day still does not know wasn't actually a funfair in ghana yeah in uh, ghana which was closed by peking yeah so peking rejected too. it Ghana said, hey, come on in, spend your 10 American dollars uh, <laughs> on on this amazing thing. And well, it's it, 1996 when everyone's yeah. using the same currency, right? Can... <laughs> yes. I, you know, I'm, I, I almost want a special edition where they're like promoting it as like, you know, 1990, special new for the Doctor Who TV movie, The Haunted House from the chase. Yeah. Like we get even more meta about it. So and, and I, think, actually, I think the whole thing is a bit silly. I mean, clearly they're in mm. some kind of Disney ride and they sort of portray it that way. So yeah. you think about this, like it, it might've landed much better in 1965 when, you know, things like haunted mansion were effectively brand new and not many people had experienced them. Now everyone knows what the, the shtick is here. Um, uh, I, so I, I think it's, there, there's an added silliness. Like it's basically something that didn't age well. Mm-hmm. And, um, but one of the things I do like is that arrogance of the doctor of like, oh, we're, we're caught in an area of human thought. And yeah. then he and Ian are almost celebrating. Well, the Dallas can never find us here. Yes. And then the next scene, there they are. <laughs> yeah. oh, we've got- I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, it does. It reads like a comedy sketch with all that good evening. I'm Count Dracula. Yeah. Like, oh, come on, dude. Like, we've seen this a thousand times. Um, it also, Ian mentions the stairs as a good uh, place to hide from the Dalek. This may be the earliest stairs joke. Definitely is the first, yeah. Um, and uh yeah but also it doesn't make sense in the context of the story because they're looking for somewhere to make a stand with the daleks so if the stairs are the place where well why not just choose a stairs? by the way i i love that they choose a corridor instead like that's there we're gonna make a stand in a corridor this is perfect (laughs) like yes and we can run down it um Yeah, yeah. The so, stairs joke is bad for a million reasons. I mean, mm-hmm. one, it just undermines the Daleks further. Two, it's like, yeah, why, why not? If if that's the secret, just go to what the, the Empire State Building mm-hmm. would have been great. Just go down to floor one o two or whatever, right? Wherever you are, <laughs> you know, and that's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and like, what's to stop the Daleks materializing at the top of the stairs anyway? Like, you know, so why even bring it up? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so anyway, yeah. but then I, I do like that there's the flip of like we're, we're somewhere they can't reach us, then they're right there. Um, mm-hmm. And then the Daleks uh, are there. They, they come really close to actually getting them. But all these then these funhouse creatures or the robots are there, which is kind of neat. And it's kind of like it's fun to see the rest of Doctor Who contorts to make these scenes make sense because the Daleks <laughs> are blasting away at these robots, yet it's not having no effect. Mm-hmm. So the cool thing is like, clearly this is the episode that sort of inadvertently, I think establishes the Daleks will calibrate their weapons to what they're shooting at. Mm. So they're shooting at organics or what they think are organics, 
they do something different than if they're shooting at robots, like the uh, mechanics later. Yes. So then they're they think they're shooting people, and so their their guns aren't doing anything. You would think then again, it would think, oh, maybe I should try a different setting mm-hmm. or something like that. Uh, instead, they just kind of haplessly stand there while Frankenstein picks up one of them and smashes it. And this is where I'll say, like, okay, the Daleks have lost one of theirs on Iridius. They've lost yes. someone on the Mary Celeste. Now they lose someone at the fun fair. Like yeah. the, the, the the crew's doing a pretty good job about picking off the Daleks one by one, just by just randomly landing in places. You could just keep doing that. Do we do we Dal- ever get a number on like how many Daleks are in the Dardis? Uh I think if you count them at the beginning, it's more. It's, it's sorry. It's fewer than you actually end up seeing towards the end <laughs> at. Uh, uh, on Mechanist. I mean, at least the implication. On Mechanist, there still seems to be at least a half dozen of them or so. But if they've lost three, I don't know. I'd have to do a count. I don't know if anyone's done that. But I think Why? the implication is there's a whole bunch. It really seems like one of them clown cars. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, literally a clown car because they're so goofy and dumb. <laughs> and just gonna, uh, um, um, We're going to arrive in uh, 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 four minutes. Yes. Yeah, okay. So yeah, so that episode was actually supposed to be in the mind. That was Terry Nation's original idea that uh, what the doctor posits is correct, but it was Verity Lambert who said no, no, it must be uh, rooted in a natural reality. So yeah. that's why Yeah, I guess. And I guess now we have the answer to what feels like uh, a schoolyard question that must have been asked over and over like who would win in a fight between Frankenstein's monster and the Daleks? <laughs> really does seem like that's what yeah. we're going for. Um, so that's a bit, and yeah, it's a bit weird that uh, Frankenstein's monster can, a robot can pick up a Dalek and just go, oh, Hulk smash. Um, uh, with those carbon fiber Daleks, you know? They're- yeah. <laughs> so, oh boy. Yeah. They, they keep the that's funny uh, like the the daleks time machine also like there's there's this weird stuff with like some of the effects and the sound effects here where first the time machine looks like it doesn't have a floor um, yeah and then there's there's bits where it materializes and doesn't make a noise or the noise is sort of randomly in places um it just seems like there, there was definitely like a lot there, there was a lot to do in this episode and i think mm. given how doctor who had just a punishing schedule at the time you know you couldn't mm. make it perfect but there's just so many little things to pick at like mm. even even on iridius there's like you can see the tarp in <sighs> scenes by the uh by the trap door and you know less said about the mire beast the better yeah, yeah there's a there's a well, and then and frankenstein puts on like a coat at one point <laughs> <laughs> yes why why for continuity i don't know um but yeah speaking of things to pick at Let's talk about the the multi doctor story known oh, yeah. as the Let's death of Doctor Who, <laughs> in which we we discover that uh, in uh, the nineteen sixties TVs were so bad that you literally couldn't if someone just put on a William Hartnell wig, uh, you'd be like, "Wait, is that guy the Doctor? What's going on?" <laughs> now this was the guy who stood in for him in Dalek Invasion of Earth. That's right, yeah. I guess it's some previous adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds right. Yeah. Edmund Warwick was his name. And the thing is, he looks nothing like either <laughs> William Hartnell, even or even Richard Herdnell or uh David Bradley. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Like, it's just like yeah. 
it's it's the, again this episode is known for its humor a lot mostly it's bad humor mm. this is like inadvertently bad humor because mm. you don't get the sense the daleks are being like ironic when they say they've reached paramount success at duplicating the doctor because <laughs> i remember i was watching this with grace and she just looked at me like is that supposed to be the doctor? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just it's it's hilarious to watch the Daleks celebrating, like rejoicing at their amazing achievement of this incredible duplicate of the doctor. <laughs> There's nothing like him. Yeah. I'm I'm going to say that maybe the Supreme Dalek has like needs needs uh, corrective lenses. Um, well, and none of the other Daleks are pointing it out because they're a bit scared of the Supreme Dalek. Well, from a production standpoint, it makes no sense because a lot of the scenes where you see the robot, it's not a double scene. It's not like mm. both the Doctor and the robot are in the scene. You're only seeing the robot. So why not just have William Hartnell play the robot? Yes. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, okay. Let's uh, say something. Let's say something nice about the death of Doctor Who and the, the battle between the robots, which is that you you can. So if if you squint at the chase, you can see that there's a story that perhaps they didn't intend. That's a bit more postmodern than they intended, in which it's all about Doctor Who. It's all about Doctor Who destroying itself, or the Daleks destroying the show called Doctor Who. Because because we start off with the ba- they've basically given up uh, adventuring in time and space they're just going to watch television instead like basically <laughs> the first episode is like rick and morty you know when, when they're doing their their dimension tv like it's basically that uh, meanwhile the daleks have taken over like they've got their own tardis it's now a show about the daleks you know they're the ones who are adventuring through time and space and and what you could say about uh the death of doctor who is that it brings us back to an unearthly child or rather to okay to 10,000 BC, where the Doctor is about to crush a caveman's head with, with a rock. Well, he was considering it. He was considering it. He wasn't, he wasn't like poised on top of him with a rock. And now, here is Ian about to do the same thing to the Doctor, because he oh thinks my. it's the robot. But now, like, they, they recognize that the Doctor is not that person who would, who would encourage you to, to drop a rock on someone's head. And maybe he was when Ian Barbara joined the TARDIS, and now he's been humanized. So, so you know, So is this the story that destroys Doctor Who or saves it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. Speaking, speaking of destroying things, man, do those mechanoids... Wow. Uh, make some some work out of some of the Daleks there. And well, they can immobilize them anyway, but holy cow. That's that right. Battle sequence. What whatever you want to say about the mechanoids, the battle sequence with the Daleks is like amazing. I thought it was like really, really cool. I think it really holds up. I think the cuts they do are pretty pretty inspired. There's like a bit where just there's a zoom in or a close-up of the Dalek eye stock. Mm. And all of that works really well. Yeah, uh, suddenly the director who's been asleep for five episodes can actually put together a good sequence that isn't like, let's watch the Doctor and companions go to sleep for five minutes. <laughs> Which is like yeah. Earlier in the episode is what they do. Um, but well, yeah, mechanoids. And then, then they get saved. And I've always, I mm. found that the... The, I'm a little split on the cliffhanger on episode five because you think the cliffhanger should be the Daleks are about to kill them mm. and there's no escape from the cave. Yet they instead end it with the mechanoid, like saying, mm-hmm. like, come on in, come on in. And it's like, oh, that's how they're being saved. And yes, there's sort of an unknown of where they're going. What's this? What's the new path? But I, 
wouldn't wouldn't it make more sense that they're about to die? Isn't that the, the better cliffhanger? Yeah, and when that mechanoids, uh, you know, the thing slides back. I mean, watching it in the order that we do, I, I'm like, oh, it's a croton. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, like and, croton. The crotons of like crystal head thing and like uh, weird, yeah, like, cleaner arms and stuff like that. Didn't they? Isn't there something in the crotons that is like that sort of like the, large... I, I, What is it? The the dinotope tinotrope something like that <laughs> trope well this is certainly a, <laughs> certainly a trope that we're seeing here i kind of want when you reveal the mechanoids maybe this is an idea for the next blu-ray that you just have someone shouting in the background make some noise yeah. all right uh, yeah well listen you know, first of all we could talk a lot more about the mechanoids i love talking about mm. doctor who monsters but mm. there's a question that this thing brings up and it's in addition to the four questions, which we should get to really quickly. We should. <laughs> the question that it brings up is, okay, the Daleks have a time machine that's like the TARDIS. How come we never see that technology ever again? Mm-hmm. In fact, I would argue this kind of time technology is explicitly not Dalek, given everything else we see. Because if you even think about Doomsday in the new series, there's the bit with the Genesis arc and all the Daleks come out of it. And you see the 10th Doctor going, Time Lord Science. It's bigger on the inside. So it's Mm. like explicitly Time Lord Science, not Dalek. So all of this is to say, like the big agreed upon, I think agreed upon retcon of this story is that the time ship was either stolen by the Daleks Mm. or supplied to the Daleks, ostensibly by the Master. Yes. Or by the one who waits, whoever that is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, but I, I like that. I, I mean, I, I like the idea that we're sort of seeing an early uh, example of the time war, uh, but one that's uh, like just this is the crap personal. time war. <laughs> it's time, it's personal. <laughs> time war two. Time war two. Two we're time, two war. <laughs> sequel's out of order. This is the sequel to the time war. It just came, you know, yes. 50 years early. Yeah, this is actually the time war three. And like, it's the really bad one. They've run out of ideas. <laughs> then we'll have time war two. It'll be a little, it'll actually be the best in the series. Uh, then we'll have time war one, which is like a bit low budget. Um, yeah. So, okay. I, I got another retcon for you. What yeah. if the whole thing is like they're, they're in a galactic theme park the whole time and they don't realize it. Whoa. They're not actually traveling through time. They're traveling through different segments of the of the theme park, which is like very uh, Westworld-ish. And it's to so, hunt the Daleks uh, ride. Yeah. A Dalek, a Dalek chase ride or whatever it is. That's amazing. I yeah. love it. Which is why it's so easy. Almost like, (laughs) did you read Liberation of the Daleks? It could be like one of those zones in that museum. That's right. And because this is London 1965, you couldn't do the World Cup. But maybe you could do the World Cup qualifying matches. Uh, And hey, we're in 1966. Yeah, just take... Oh, man. That's even better. That's even better. I love it. Wow. All right, we've answered a question we didn't even know was posed, but guys, there are other questions we need to answer, and those are, of course, the four questions to Doomsday. First question, why did the randomizer take us here? Wow. Well, okay, we've we've covered a lot of the reasons here. Um, The the, uh, temporary Beatles bingo. The fact that I'm wearing a Beatles-esque T-shirt with the the Abbey Road... um, basically uh, cover the the one that ellie black was wearing i I loved it so much i had to get it myself um 
And uh, so there's that. By the way, we should also mention 1965 was the year that John Lennon encountered a Dalek. At the Cannes what? film at the Cannes Film Festival. Look it up. Nice. There, there are pictures. I've looked it up. It's incredible. Like Is there are pictures with John Lennon and a Dalek in yeah. the same shot. Yes. Wow. A Dalek. He's like bothering John Lennon at breakfast. You've got Cynthia Lennon by his <laughs> side going, Oh God. And he's like, uh, uh, uh. It's a bit um, enough. It's a bit enough, mate. Um, yeah. So anyway, so there's the Beatles connection. We're getting upcoming Beatles. You know, the randomizer wants to get us excited about that. Wanted to give me something light, but still wanted to torture me with a need for a history corner. <laughs> uh, and also, of course, the, the time meddler, like the, the randomizer has done this before, like doing stories out of order, but like mm-hmm. very, very bunched up. Right. So uh, if you watch the time meddler with, along with us, and you're like, what's this about a panda? Hey, what what is going on here? Who is hi-fi? And uh, you know, it just it seems appropriate to to take the story backwards. So bring on the space museum. Let's bring it on. <laughs> I can't top any of that. I just think it wants us to start the year strong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's go with that. Okay, moving on. Chase to chase through time and space. It's time for the second question, which is what if the evil plot had succeeded? Okay, well, I mean, the evil hmm. plot is they're going to try to kill the doctor and his companions. So yeah. if, that, if that happens, end of show. Roll credits. Although uh, they don't realize that the doctor can regenerate at this point. Yeah, that's probably true. They Because they don't understand that the doctor can change appearance until, yeah, they, they, until later. Until hmm. uh, Power of the Daleks, of course. Maybe they uh, find a giant gun and they point it at him and he... By generates into William Hartnell and Patrick Troughton. Mm-hmm. Well, they'd have to do it right after he <laughs> encountered the Celestial Toymaker. So, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, which is, yeah, you know, coming up quick in in the continuity here. Really so, is. I guess you might ask the better question: Maybe, well, when would it have succeeded in this adventure if they had done that? And it seems to me, if they just shot them a little bit sooner at the House of Horrors, that that's the best opportunity. Yeah. Um, because I assume on Iridius, even though they're right there, you kind of assume the TARDIS is just in the way that they can't uh, mm. get a clear line of sight on on shooting them. Um, yeah. So there's that. I, I love the idea of like this. This could be a short story or a big finish or like a, an unbound, like an alternate timeline where it all starts with like the Ghana police doing an investigation. This guy who died this ruckus at a fun fair and there's this old guy who died and uh you know what, <laughs> what is going on here um but yeah if uh, okay so the the effects of this let's let's say they, they do kill the doctor uh is is there no time war now since hmm. there's no genesis of the daleks you well, know whoever's there's... the benefactor of their time machine like, yeah assuming this was some bargain that mm. the master concocted that maybe it's like frontier in space 10 years mm-hmm. early and or maybe this is the 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 master's first dalek plan um mm. uh, but the uh the sasha Dewan master uh maybe maybe this is how like was part of his plan to destroy gallifrey because you know get rid of the daleks then then get rid of the doctor and then you can just ride roughshod over gallifrey and probably destroy it before it's even aware of the Daleks' existence. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not bad. Yeah. 
So the Daleks destroy Gallifrey. They they conquer all of time and space, uh, you know, completely unhindered. And then they rejoice, rejoice. <laughs> it's just all rejoicing all the time. That's right. Davros had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Although he'll, he'll come in and claim credit, I'm sure. Yeah, at some point. All right. Moving on to the third question, which is, where is the Clara Splinter? So I am pegging Clara this time as the chief programmer of that House of Horrors exhibit in Ghana in 1996. She's basically making sure that Frankenstein robot just is a total loose cannon, just as some (laughs) random programming. And it's going to go out of its way to, to, you know, just screw things up with the visitors. I, this is incredible. I had exactly the same thing. Uh, <laughs> right. Just the Clara Splinter. She's running that fun fair in Ghana in 1996 and specifically designed that Frankenstein's monster to be powerful enough to lift, lift and smash a Dalek. Um, however, now I've come up with the headcanon that this is all taking place in a theme park. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that Clara is, is like running that theme park and making sure that nobody is aware that any of this is happening. She's also making sure that like everyone's perhaps a little bit drunk or has forgotten their glasses so that a robot <laughs> of the doctor will actually look like the doctor. <laughs> yeah. She's serving champagne at the entrance. It's all good. Yeah. 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 And that, that Hartnell design, like that feels like a Westworld moment of like, you know, she's, she's berating some robot design designer of like, what are you doing? This looks nothing like him. <laughs> like, they're going right, to notice. Give them some guava fa- flavored champagne earlier. Well, <laughs> yes. Hopefully they'll just be so drunk they won't notice. Yeah. Yeah. Right. What's up? What? That, there's a line where where there's like uh, MREs. They basically have TARDIS MREs. And Vicky hands one to Barbara, and she's like, "What flavor is it?" Vicky says, "Guava." Like what? I, I thought <laughs> when I first heard that, I thought she'd say lava. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> Gooey lava. A little flavor. hot. A little hot. Mm, okay. coming, in, coming in a little hot there it's time for the final question the only question that matters for the chase what did we think of this story the pull to open rating system has six ratings there is the Dalek which is what we give to a good episode of Doctor Who uh, the Ogron which we give to a not so good episode of Doctor Who the Professor Hater we give to a not so great episode but at least we learned something the Viscount Banger, which we give to the best of the best. The Fixed Point in Time, which is something we give to a, uh episode we can't rate. It's beyond rating, often for reasons of nostalgia. Or the Lady Cassandra, which is a paper-thin plot. But hey, it looks good, particularly with a little moisturizing. Mm. Where do you stand, well, Chris? Well, first of all, let, let's do the how did we watch this? Uh, because I don't know yeah. if any listeners are wondering. Uh, but I did manage to continue to avoid BritBox and not pay for BritBox by discovering that you can download a colorized version of the chase. Again, not a very good colorized one, but a colorized version nonetheless. And it's free at the Internet Archive. It's absolutely free. Mm. You can go watch it now, download it now, um, and you will you will see perhaps what I saw, which is that uh, each episode is so different, you almost have to rate them individually. Oh, okay. uh, which is... so <laughs> Sounds like so you, that might be what you have done (laughs) (laughs) it's what i've done but i've got an overall rating so okay episode one is is a hater 
purely for the Beatles. If you take the Beatles out, if it's a Beatles version, the American version, then it's uh, a hater ogron, I would say, because uh, at least they tried something new, which is what we say about the hater uh, in the Time Space Visualizer. Episode two, total ogron for me. Nothing redeeming uh-huh. about that. Episode three, half hater, half Dalek, because I kind of. At least had fun with episode three. Episode four is a hater because, again, they, they tried something. And I appreciate Terry Nation's idea that it was in, in all in the mind. Uh, episode five, hater Ogron, uh, because at least they tried something with the robot Doctor Who. And episode six, kind of a solid Dalek for that for that fight with the mechanoids and and Ian and Barbara's return, in, you know, and, and, and the London 1965, which, by the way, uh, Ian looks at a tax disc on a car, which says December mm. 1965. It could be December 1964, Ian. You're not excluding all <laughs> possibilities. <laughs> they might have got that tax, tax disc and put it on immediately. Um, anyway. Uh, I, I have already. That's a mindset. <laughs> there you go. 2024. So, uh, so yeah. So, first of all, never judge the year based on the, the license plate tax disc of a car. Um, so, that that's a score of three haters, 1.5... Ogron's 1.5 Daleks, and I think overall, I think this is a Professor Hater, because I think they tried a lot of new things, a lot of things that were very new to Doctor Who at the time. I don't think uh, almost all of them didn't work, but hey, that's why <laughs> <laughs> that's why we give the Professor Hater rating. That's why it's slightly better than Ogron, because at least they tried something, and the Chase definitely tried a lot of things. Okay. Wow, it's impressive. Well, we're not gonna. Uh, <laughs> we might get a second page in the codex for the individual episodes, <laughs> but that's yeah. on you, yeah. my friend. So yeah. overall, right in, now, hater. Yep. I have to go in on this one uh, with a little history. So, like, I this was always a favorite in my household growing up. So when I was a mm-hmm. kid, the chase was something we watched multiple times, and it's easy wow. to see why. I mean, it's a it's a fun summer blockbuster put, t- sort of turn your brain off adventure. And um, I certainly will still defend the chase. It's, I think it is better than its reputation. I think it's really suffered a lot at uh, the hands of Dr. Who fans who really don't like the things that don't work, which I admit like the Dalek stuff being goofy. It's, it's not good for the villains um, and it undermines parts of the story and all that stuff. Yeah. 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 All that's true. But it, it really like what you get out of this really depends on your expectations. I think a lot. And if you're really there for a breezy fun adventure with the Daleks, like you could do a lot worse. So Hmm. I think like Grace enjoyed it. She's 10 years old. Maybe that tells you something, but it is like, Hey, you know, Dr. Who is a show for kids to a large extent. And if you have kids, I definitely would recommend watching this with them. It's, it's Hmm. fun. uh, Assuming they can get through the, like the sixties production values. But (laughs) I, I got to say, you know, I had, there are big weaknesses in this story. I don't mind them so much. I can still watch this and get through it. It's probably just me. <laughs> so that this is exactly why we created the rating fixed point in time. I hey. can't rate this. It is. I have too much nostalgia for it. I really, really enjoy it. Uh, I like I say, I think parts of it are defensible, but I definitely understand where everyone comes through from when they, when they criticize it. So it's mm. a fixed point in time for me. Love it. That's it. This is this your first Fixed point no, in time? No, it's my second. Um, I did one recently. What was it again? <laughs> it was so fixed, <laughs> we can't even remember. Well, the, the Codex should know. 
Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll fire it up because we have to fire up the codex in a minute. That's but before right. we do that, listener, go ahead and vote on Spotify. Your rating for the chase. Is it a Dalek, Ogron, Professor Hater, Viscount Banker, Fixed Point in Time, or Lady Cassandra? It is up to you. You can pick any one of those options in our poll and we'll feature the results at a future podcast. But now it is time for Chris and I to enter our own time ship and activate the randomizer. Hmm, indeed. So the randomizer, two components. First of all, the codex, uh, which Pete is at the control of, controls of all the stories in the history of Doctor Who in sequential order. And I am at the controls of the executor, played by random.org, which uh, looks at the amount of atmospheric noise, uh, because computers are bad at algorithms, Daleks are bad at algorithms, Frankenstein's monsters are bad at algorithms, only atmospheric noise can give you true bespoke randomness uh we enter into random.org the minimum and the maximum numbers which is based on how many stories we have yet to do in the doctor who canon pete what is the number that number sir is 198 wow we've we've broken out of the 199 Thank uh, God they're not making more Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God we've got a little bit of time to catch up. We're, we're going to get down into the 190s. Uh, we're we're before... starting to stack up a good chunk, though, at the end of the Codex, right? Yeah. The, the most recent story we've done officially is Legend of the Sea Devils. That's not counting yeah. hot takes. So there's yeah. five whole stories stacked up at the very bottom of the Codex. Yeah, it is now more likely that we will go to a story... Include that includes Shuti Gatwa, than uh-huh. that we will go to a story featuring Paul McGann. Sorry, oh Paul. my goodness! Yes, we have crossed that <laughs> threshold. Sorry, Paul. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. Love you, Paul. We will thoroughly celebrate you whenever I mean, we get to the movie. I guess you could count Power of the Doctor though, so it's equal. Mm, you're right. You're right. That is an appearance, and we sort of count Day of the Doctor because we sort of insert Night of the Doctor. Anyway, we're getting thoroughly nerdy with it. We <laughs> like to get super nerdy and give the randomizers challenges. Uh, give the ra- randomizers both of them challenges. No, I, okay. I, I, God, what am I even going to say? I, I've already said it. Take us to the space museum. I'm going to triple the uh, answer to this one. Like, do this thing in reverse order. Like, let's find out how they got the time space visualizer. Uh, let's get another Hartnell off the books, and uh, yeah, show us the space museum, or maybe another museum. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go for wintertime, uh, which is to say mm. we are just getting out of a non-white Christmas here in uh, New Jersey. Uh, I long for some snow, and uh, let's let's have something snow, cold, or winter-themed. Mm. I will also say, by the way, the, the Mary Celeste, in the course of researching that, uh, I discovered it, the, the last stop that the Mary Celeste made before it set off on its fateful adventure was in Staten Island. Uh, which they, right. you know, it, as if they didn't suffer enough. Oh, um, so hey, let's, hey, 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 sorry, sorry, Staten Island. Uh, but if there is a Doctor Who story that features that mentions Staten Island, uh, or is tangentially related to Staten Island, let's let's go there. Let's see. <laughs> I don't even know if there's been a non-canonical adventure, like a novel <laughs> or a short story that's been had anything to do with Staten Island. <laughs> the Daleks take Staten Island. The the angels <laughs> take Staten Island. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's really just been left to what we do in the shadows to to represent. 
for All the, right, are you ready for, for the countdown? Mirror. Ready for it. Let's do it. Four, three, two, one. No, not the mind probe. 41. 41. We're still in the Classic Who. who. Da, da, da. We are at... <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, no. Death to the Daleks. Oh, my God. <laughs> We're just... Hoover it up, more Daleks. There's no winter in this one, so I'm out. <laughs> yeah, there's no Staten Island, so far as nope. I know, and there's no museums in Death of the Daleks. Uh, but mm. this is Pertwee? Definitely Pertwee. Definitely Pertwee's Pertwee. last Dalek adventure. Ah, so we, we did do them in order. Uh, with with sure. Day of the Daleks, which we went to really <laughs> recently, but yes, uh, after no, having we're not seen... doing them in order because there's Planet of the Daleks. Oh, of so, course, yeah. of course. Okay, more Daleks. Well, we are just rapid firing through the Dalek stories here at the beginning of season five of Full to Open, <laughs> dear listener and oh, folks. Wow. If you want to follow the podcast, we are at so, on social media. We didn't mention it earlier, but it, it, we are at Pull to Open 63 on most networks, except for TikTok. We are Pull to Open as well as Blue Sky. We are at Pull to Open. Man, just Google us. That's where we are. We're Google also it. at Pull to Open.net, where you can subscribe to our newsletter for full notes on this episode, which will contain quite a few tidbits that we probably didn't get to. And uh, yes, again, please leave a review, leave a rating uh, in Spotify for the show that we just reviewed. So do that, uh, but also leave a rating for Pull to Open because we like that. Um, and we will see you around next time for some more Dalek action. That's right. We'll see you on the Paradise Planet Florana for some Dalek death. All right. Dematerializing. See you, folks. <laughs> <laughs>